All right, everybody out there in podcast land, it is time to bend over and grab your vajinkles because it's a Sports Frenzy 2.0 weekend edition. I am the maestro Kevin Crane. I'm the conquistador Dave Height. And if you don't get that opening reference, shame on you. Go back and watch the latest episode of Mr. In-Between. Our favorite show. Every week you're going to hear us promote Mr. In-Between. So good. Well, cut the crap, princess. Let's get down to it. <laughs> All right. We're going to start off with movies this week. We both have unique reviews, but of course we have our simpatico review that we agreed upon. And that would be Guns Akimbo. Daniel Radcliffe. Yep. Video game programmer sucked in to the underground deathmatch schism. Yep. Um, and, of course, he gets stuck with some very unique appendages that he yes, cannot get rid yes, of. Yes, he does. He, he likes to flame the trolls. <laughs> and he went too far and paid the ultimate price. Yep. He, uh... <laughs> Yeah, this this movie was ridiculously wild. Um, it it was bizarre and entertaining. Yes, yes. It uh, Samara Weaving plays Daniel Radcliffe's nemesis, Nix, and she's fantastic. She really. Oh is. my god she she stole the movie. Uh, she's got like platinum fangs stuck back yeah. in the back of her teeth, and and I will say. The line to listen for is, Friday nights just got lonely. <laughs> yes. I was going to say, I was going to say, the first half of the movie, the first half of the movie is kind of, eh. it, it, it takes a while it, to get going. It's set up, trying to get the back stuff of what's going on. Yeah. But yeah. once it hits. Yeah, the last half of the movie has about four or five great one-liners like that. <laughs> really. Really great ones. Um, it's it's a mixed bag, and again, it it's is. it's a slow start. It's quirky, but overall, it's it's a fun little flick yeah, to watch. Kind of, uh, the best thing I could think of to describe it is a combination between John Wick, a video game, and Judge Dredd. You know, it's just <laughs> it, it's, so. But I mean, the shrapnel city. <laughs> Yeah. You know, can't even give it, you know, they got to come up with a, a fictional city. Yeah. Um, but again, the second half for me came a, came together a lot, made it a lot well, better. Once the appendages came into play <laughs> and he slid down the fire escape, game on. Yeah. And it came into its I got. I did. Uh, there were a couple negatives, though. I did get tired of the, the cutaways to the scenes of the people watching, watching and cheering. Yeah, and, okay. that was a little yeah, much. Yeah, and the, the gay boys and all that crap. I, You know, I, what's the point? We Just, know people are watching. Yes, we you're don't trying to make a, so much You're trying to make a commentary on how much social media sucks. We're all with you on that. Yeah, everybody's hammering glued it over to their phones yeah, and their devices. Everybody's hammering us over the head with it. That's fine. Um, the other problem I had was the villain, Richter, played by uh, Ned Dennehy. Very generic. Really. I mean, just offered nothing. Offered it, nothing. No, he didn't. I mean, the look was great that they had for To him, a point, to yeah. To a point, but the way he played it was just... Eh. He could have had fun with this role, and it fell flat. Yeah. yeah. This could have been an iconic Ayatollah of rock and roll <laughs> type of yep, role. Yep, yep, exactly. And it, it, he just fell flat, like Dave said. Um, so, in the end, I'm going to give it my barest of recommendations. So, two and a half frenzies, I would say... If you got nothing else to do, you want to watch a good shoot 'em up for an hour and a half, Guns Akimbo is the way and to go. That's exactly what I put it at, two and a half. Two and a half. So there you go, kids. Next week, next week, we'll be doing more action. We're going to go back and revisit Ed's screen as the transporter refueled. 
love the transporter stuff. Yeah, but let's see if let's see if how this they handle can live this. Up. Is this a money grab or is this actually a legitimate continuation? Yes, of the Jason Statham series. That will that will be determined, and we'll let you know. Now we both have individual reviews, and I I'm going to give Dave the first shot here because the one I've got is one he's recommended to me. And as the great friend that I am, I listen to his recommendations. So I'll let Dave go first. Yeah. Yeah. All right. (laughs) I wound up just scrolling through prime and stumbled upon 24 hours to live with Ethan Hawke came out in 2017 He's a retired assassin who lost his wife and kid, and he's gotten away from his company that he works for, and he's sitting on the beach with his father-in-law, Rutger Hauer. Oh, God, Rutger Hauer. (laughs) And, oh, you know, not bad, and he's just kind of the whole feeling sorry for yourself, and... Paul Anderson from Peaky Blinders is his buddy from their time in the army and they work together in this and he's got one more job for him to try and save the company they work for from a whole Interpol investigation. And so this whole thing is Hawk's character going through trying to assassinate the guy who's going to spill the beans on their company. And he's got to wind up making the choice between seeking retribution and forgiveness or fulfilling his last mission. And let's just say there's a lot of gunplay, explosions, and technology that can bring you back from the dead. Not a bad little thrill ride. So I give it two and a half frenzies. All right. It was entertaining. There were some decent little lines. Ethan Hawke is always, he's puzzled me as an actor. You know, sometimes I see him in stuff. He's phenomenal or he sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And in this one, he was pretty damn good. Good to hear. And it's got Rutger Hauer, so right there. Yeah, I know. It's a a bit character. You had, Rutger Rutger Hauer. Hauer. <laughs> you had me at Rutger Hour. You had me at Rutger Hour. So, no, I I would give this one two and a half. It, it, it's worth watching. There we go. Uh, we love zombie stuff. We love bloody, nasty zombie stuff. The we've gorier, talked, the we've better. We talked about, you know, not on necessarily on the podcast, but in... Sports frenzies in the past. We've talked about The Walking Dead. We've talked about World War Z. We've talked about all the zombie stuff. Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead. I was worried about the movie that I watched this past weekend because I I love, love John McGinley in Stand Against Evil. Love that show. And I keep hammering... It's on the list. Hammering into the conquistador. He can blow through all three seasons. This is one I wanted like to afternoon. watch with the boys, and I can never get them to settle but down here's and watch the, it. here was the problem I had. We all, Ash versus Evil Dead, of course, obviously. I was worried that the movie I decided to watch this past weekend was going to be too similar to those Ash versus Evil Dead and Stand Against Evil. And I was like, oh, crap, this is going to be a knockoff zombie thriller that's, okay, we're trying to be funny, but we're not really funny and we're not really scary. I was wrong. Pleasantly, pleasantly wrong. I finally got to watch Tucker and Dale versus Evil. We had a doozy of a day, (laughs) officer. And if Dave, if Dave wanted to walk over to my comedy, my great comedy movies, which are over behind a case of Keystone Ice, he would notice that I actually, after I watched it, bought it on DVD. 
I got it. I got it for five bucks on Amazon. I loved it that much. Isn't that fantastic? Tucker and because here's the thing. They two the Tucker and Dale, the two actors who play Tucker and Dale, I got I gotta get in, into a deep dive here. Because Tucker and Dale features Tyler Labine and Alan Tudyuk. And we've talked about Alan Tudyuk because he is in the awesome sci-fi series, Resident, Resident Alien. Alien. But he was also in Firefly and Serenity. So any comic book sci-fi <laughs> geek out there knows who I'm talking about and should be drawn in already. It, but they probably all watched this already. <laughs> I'm probably the last one. You probably are at this point. <laughs> but Tyler Labine never gets enough credit. He was in Escape Room, but the big... Big thing he was in that I loved, which is so underrated, was the TV show Reaper. Yes. Great show for a couple years there. Um, I think it was on the WB. Yeah, I got to see a few episodes of that. Loved Reaper. Reaper was great. But these two, as Tucker and Dale, are priceless. Here's where we get into what I was talking about with the whole evil dad stand against (laughs) evil thing. This is not necessarily your standard horror movie. No, it, it's your horomedy. It's just shitty luck <laughs> for everybody involved. All these college students. It's, it's your worst case scenarios that could ever freaking possibly happen. It's it's Final Destination meets Deliverance <laughs> <laughs> with comedy involved, if that makes any sense. If you watch it, it will. Um, now that being said, I will I will say I, I can't put it in the pantheon of all time greats. No, it's not there. Good, but not great. But I will say it's three frenzies. Definitely three <laughs> frenzies. Love Tucker and Dale. Love, if anything, Alan Tudyk didn't get enough time. You know, it was more. No, he didn't. He he was more the. The secondary. Right. More the sidekick, even though he he was supposedly the wiser, older guy. Yeah. But he's trying to get his younger, you know, Tyler Labine, he's trying to get him laid, basically. Yeah. (laughs) And you've got the obligatory, you know. Dumbass college kids. Skimpy, topless, skinny dipping, you know. Idiot boys, you know, thinking they, they should be able to, you know hammer in anybody's pants they want and of course that they causes friction and chaos and, and yeah but uh cracking like a crackling like a fire but yeah this was fun this was just a fun damn movie <laughs> cannot give it anything uh, less than three three frenzies yep that's about right on that one um i do have one tidbit of movie news that will probably piss you off before we Cut to our first promo. We'll see if it's similar to what I have. No, probably not, but we'll see. I have railed, and I know your your wife, Mrs. C, loves Stephen King. And we've had an argument about this time and time again. And she disagrees with me. That's fine. I, I'm tired of Stephen King whoring out everything in his library, in his catalog to be remade over and, and over and, and over again. And now yes, he I has, will concur with he you has on that. pushed me too far now. Now what? Christine is going to be no! remade. John Carpenter's original no! Christine. Do not is... F with John Carpenter films, period. End of conversation. Look what happened with the thing. Look what happened with the thing. It was a when bastardization. You, you redid the thing. It was a joke. It made no money because nobody wanted to see it. Don't mess with perfection. John Carpenter's Christine is fantastic. If it named John Carpenter is associated, you leave it the F alone. So now they've got a Christine remake coming. They swear. They swear they're going to keep it in the 80s. They swear they're going to keep the spirit the same as the original. Guess what happened with Pet Cemetery? They fucked it up. You destroyed Pet Cemetery because you had no new ideas, no new concepts to bring to it. It was a terrible, terrible remake. 
there was one remake that was actually worthwhile. The Shining. Well, the TV ones, the TV ones seem to be better because they have more time to flesh them out. Yes. More time for character development. But in two hours, you, you can't, can't do justice to what had already been done. Right. Some people like Salem's Lot, the remake of Salem's Lot. I prefer the original. I like the original. David Soul. Exactly. But again, I am not a fan of remakes, let alone Stephen King whoring out his stories over and over and over again. I mean, I was happy to see that they finally did a Lysy story yeah. on, uh, on Apple Plus. First time ever. Great. Good to see that. I think Julianne Moore stars in it. That's fine. But stop redoing the old stories over. They just did the stand on CBS All Access, now Paramount Plus. Yeah. With Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I can't wait to see that. Not. Steaming pile of elephant dung just that that probably the is. First, the original was fine. It didn't need to be redone. All right, so what were you going to surprise me with? I was going to say that Rob Zombie has announced his new movie coming out, one he's been dying to do. Oh, God. The Munsters. Oh, that could go. Tackling wow. what he says is his favorite TV show growing up. Wow. This could be epic or it could be an epic failure. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Because he can go, you just don't know what you're going to get when he directs the movie. Oh, boy. Boy, that scares me. That scares me. That really does. Me too, but I'm in, I'm I'm frightened but intrigued at the yeah, same time. Yeah, I'm excited to see Herman, Lily, Grandpa brought back to the screen. It, it would be cool to see them in a serious horror movie. That would kind of be neat. It would. If it's done properly. But see, my problem is Rob Zombie, to me, is like Eli Roth. Goes I, too far with the gore? They go way too far, and they don't They don't care about story. They don't care about character development. All they it's care about the shock is factor. how much crap, how much blood, how many guts, intestines, and internal organs can we splatter on the screen. Yeah. So I, I will be definitely intrigued to see if he's going to go that Maybe route Maybe he'll it, tone it down. Or if he'll keep it more in the whole family. Well, here's the thing. Show that he, it actually he probably, was. He probably, Rob Zombie probably makes enough money from music where he almost views movies as a side project, a yeah. hobby. Yeah. If, but if, but he, it shows the love of the show for the Monsters for him to have named one of his songs Dragula, which right. was Grandpa's right. drag racing car in one of the episodes. But that doesn't mean he won't botch this up completely. It doesn't, but there's hope. There is hope. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm scared, but like you... I, I see maybe a 10% glimmer of hope that it could turn out okay. Yeah. I do like the Scared concept. and intrigued. I just kind of wish it would be in somebody else's hands. Yeah. But if you if you made the monsters into a serious horror movie, that's a brilliant idea. It would be. Again, it would be I phenomenal. just don't know if Rob Zombie's a guy I want to try to pull it off. We'll wait and see how it plays out. But good, very good movie news. Caught me off guard on that. Which is what we try to do here. Exactly. Hopefully caught you off guard on our news. So we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. We have got tons of music news and a big, big debate about big debate concerts coming up, kids. Stay tuned. Listen to Sports Frenzy 2.0, the weekend edition on Spotify. Anchor, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Apple, Overcast, and Castbox as the Maestro and Conquistador give their reviews and news 
on music, movies, TV, books, and more every Saturday. They can't help themselves. They have no control over this, this need to talk and scream. It's inside them, the fire, the voices, the torment. Hey kids, welcome back to the weekend edition of Sports Frenzy 2.0. I'm the Conquistador Dave Height. Along with the maestro Kevin Crane. And in this segment, we are going to talk about the joy of concerts coming back this summer. And we've got a number of them that we're going to be hitting from Guns N' Roses, Jimmy Buffett, Counting Crows, Judas Priest coming up. It, it's going to be so much fun finally, but we have an issue with the freaking secondary ticket market screwing people over. Most notably, we wanted to go see Genesis. We got hosed, and now the freaking prices are ridiculous. It's re it's insane. Literally, with Genesis, and I don't know. I can't remember if we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when they went on sale. But they went in a blink of an eye from the upper deck in the United Center in Chicago where we were going to go see them. The affordable seats. Yeah, which was basically maybe two to 3,000 seats at best. If you're lucky. $75 plus fees. So would have ended up being close to $100, which is a lot of money. For the nosebleeds. And those went in the blink of an eye, like I said, within 15 minutes. And th they went back on resale immediately for $1,200. So much for verified fan, Ticketmaster. So much for that. Thanks for yeah, making us jump through all those hoops to get nothing. Verified fan pre-sale. Yeah. Not going to yeah, happen. Well, you have to sign up for it. Then you have to get a code. Then you have to go and put that code in. Then you have to go and put another code in. Then you have to send in your blood type. And your semen so they can have your first freaking born. Now, Dave's speaking my language here. We're we're done with the <laughs> secondary market. It's ridiculous. You guys, you guys... Blame the secondary market. I'm talking Ticketmaster and Live Nation, the biggest conglomerate, the biggest joke in the face of the earth. Tick, uh, Ticketmaster was Pearl Jam's target, Tom Petty's target. They tried to take you down, and you won. You won because you're a monopoly. So now 90% of the concerts have to flow through you. You're a joke. You don't let normal fans get tickets because you know why you want the higher ticket fees when the people have to resale them through you it's it's insane the normal person cannot go see the huge big ticket shows anymore no in the past how many how many shows we try to go see as many shows as humanly possible and we've been shut out of paul mccartney we've been shut out of genesis obviously we were shut out uh Bob Seeger the first time we tried to go see right. him. Luckily got in the second time. Got shut out of Tom Petty. Yes. And I never, ever got to see Tom Petty. Bitter beyond belief about that. Thankfully, I had gotten to see him before. Right. But that that this last time we wanted to go, his almost second to last tour before right. he passed. Right. Yep. We got shut out. Right. You don't care about the true fans. You don't care. All you care about is the almighty dollar. Shocking, I know. Yeah. Capitalism and, rules. And we also have the outrageous ticket fees thanks to effing COVID because now once shows are finally starting to slowly ramp back up, everybody is so damn desperate to get out and see live music that... People think, oh, well, I can make a buck on somebody and 10 times the amount of the ticket cost is what they want to charge. Value. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what scares me about what's coming up here. So far outside of Genesis, we've been okay. We've been able to get the 
the tickets for the shows we want, but we've been a little humble. We've been trying to go see smaller stuff. But now if bands that we really love, like the Foo Fighters, go on tour. God help we us. We had tickets to see the Foo Fighters, good seats, last year. And, of course, instead of postponing, postponing they canceled the show. So we lost those seats. And now if the Foo Fighters go out again. God knows if we're going to be able to get anything yeah. close to that. Dave's nightmare scenario is going to come to play because it's it's just it's going to be like Genesis. It's going to be just like Genesis, where it's going to be fighting, scratching, clawing for the final two seats in the back row, in the upper bowl, hoping you get them. Otherwise, somebody's going to turn around and try to sell them for two thousand dollars. Yeah, in which case. F it. It's not worth it. We've seen them. We've seen them. So, love to see them again. But not for those prices. No. Nope. So, in other music news, next week we will have the greatest, most anticipated album review of the year. Because this coming Friday, as we tape on June the 9th, Mammoth WVH comes out. That is going to be epic. And we will review it next week. Come hell or freaking high water. Because by this time next week, I will have listened to it 3,217 <laughs> times. I don't think in the time-space continuum that's possible. But I'm going to goddamn well try to do it. And do you know why it's Mammoth WVH? Because it's a tribute to one of the original names of Van Halen. That's right. Wolfgang wanted to pay homage to his dad, and one of the first the first name of the band was Mammoth. Yep, they went through Rat Salad, but but Wolfgang doesn't want the confusion, so he added his initials there to distinguish it. And they just released their first live video this past week don't back down which they've released a regular mtv style video earlier but now they've released a performance video to show they're trying to show the fans this is what the live band is going to look like and we are going to get to see them when they open for guns and roses that's right so sometimes kids things work out for the best and no we are not going to sell our tickets on the freaking secondary market. We love live music and we are going to relish it. We are not greedy bastards. That's right. Speaking of Van Halen, a couple Van Halen tidbits for you. Number one, an unearthed video popped up this week that has not been seen in 40 years of Van Halen in 1982 performing so this is love <laughs> on italian television as they play wow. well lip sync i'm not going to say play they lip sync and lip sync badly among a bunch of fake dinosaurs <laughs> if you have not seen this video yet kids go out and see it ultimate classic rock youtube they have it it, there's so much wrong with this video. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Eddie is probably the only one that holds his ground. You know, when he does a guitar solo, it actually looks like he's playing. He's playing. Because he probably yeah, is. Yeah, Dave, Dave misses half. It's as bad as Mick Jagger on the Start Me Up video <laughs> with the Rolling Stones, which was the worst lip syncing ever in the history of mankind. But. Uh, the the other problem I've got with this, and this is why we're an explicit show. David Lee Roth really needed some underwear because <laughs> he's wearing white tights through this whole thing. He's humping the dinosaurs at other certain points in the video. And the problem is, though, little Dave got excited. <laughs> little Dave at the end is prominent. <laughs> in the last 10, 15 seconds of the video. Wow. wow. You can pretty much see little Dave and the boys. That That's not a good look. But man. it's a fun video just for a time capsule. Go back and see what things were like in the early 80s when life was good. 
Also, uh. also, speaking of Mr. Roth, he put out another song. He's He's been leaking new songs over he, the last year or two. He has more leaning towards the country-ish yes. genre. Yes, good call, my man, because the new song he released is Giddy Up, which has definitely got a country feel to it. Yes. Um... Now, it's... when he put out Somewhere Over the Rainbow Bar and Grill, that was kind of a tribute to Abby, and that was a cool little song. Giddy Up is interesting. It is. It, it, it's it got some intriguing overtones to it. But like you said, it does have a country and western feel to it. I mean, I... come on. Who, who has never said Giddy Up? <laughs> come on. It's. I will say this. It's not Stay Frosty. You know, it's not no. that kind of quirky cool you know dave's in charge song oh speaking of stay frosty that is one of the lines in 24 hours to live <laughs> anytime i hear stay frosty i'm happy thought you'd like to hear that yes all right so in terms of album reviews this week we're going to hold off for a week on billy gibbons hardware Going to give uh, the Conquistador another week. I need a little more to time to, to digest. digest it. Yep. No problems there because I've been there, done that. So next week, we will give you Mammoth, WVH, and Hardware in our reviews. But I've got a solo one this week because I promised you Blackberry Smokes. You hear Georgia. Their new album came out. About a week, week and a half ago. So, I told Dave one song for sure he would not like because it featured his favorite artist of all time, Jamie Johnson. And he was right. Terrible song. Terrible song. Worst song on the album. My problem with Blackberry Smoke is this. And, And... this is one of those bands where you really want to like them and they put out album after album after album and you go, you just just missed it. You're so close. You're so close to getting it. You're so close to hitting the nail on the head. And this is another example of a typical Blackberry Smoke album. Starts off great. Live it down. Awesome. Awesome. Great rocking tune. Then it goes into You Hear Georgia, really solid second song. And then they crap the bed on three, four, and five. <laughs> hey, Delilah, ain't the, ain't the same. And then Jamie Johnson's guest appearance on Lonesome for a Living really just can't, can't deal with any of the three. Wow. Generic, terrible, milk toast. Any word you can come up with for boring, ordinary country music. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you were talking about Jamie Johnson previously. And we were talking about live versus recorded. Right. He sounds on, this is because I don't have anything by him. God help me. No way in hell. But this is the only thing that I, I currently own that I have. By him. Yeah. So he sounds like Waylon Jennings. He really does to me. Hmm. See Got that deep at least on this song with Blackberry Smoke. See, I've heard one or I've heard a few of his things on the radio that were okay, but in concert he was just awful. Right. I don't know why people flock to see him. Oh, he's by the way, he's Coming here locally to Shipshawana. Yeah, so. guess what? Ain't gonna freaking happen. <laughs> Mr. Monotone, it's just not good. I don't get it. Seriously, I don't get it. And I can listen to a lot of lot of genres. And this I this boggles my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I get it. After listening to this song, I get it. And again repeating ourselves but when we went to see the concert where he was sm- he was smashed into the middle of Skinnerd and 
who, who, by the way, is coming up later, shockingly later, 38 special, Marshall Tucker. How how the hell I had the intuition to go go look for beer mm-hmm. in a hat. Thank God for that. Yeah, no kidding. I, I wish I would have gone with you. I came back and you two looked like you were about ready to sit in I front was of ready a firing squad. I was ready to leave. It was so bad. And everybody, most of the people around us, we're just, yeah, I know the what guys. What the frick is this now, crap? We, yeah, we didn't. We have younger people sitting behind us, and they were really, what the hell is this? You and know? then we had older people in front of us who were freaking dancing to the crap. I'm like, no, this is not good. This will not stand. Okay, now after we get through the the three songs, the debacle trio as i like to call them then everything else is uphill it's great after that all rise again warren haynes i love warren haynes old enough to know morningside all over the road if there's one song on this album that i would encourage you to listen to it is all over the road it rocks great song for driving great great song to pop into your cd player no not your ipod and plug it in to your little device no put your cd in go to track but, nine but all over the road CD player. then you're out of luck you wuss bags yo snowflakes maybe, maybe i'll just put strychnine in your water an old scarecrow closes out the album on a high note so, again, like I said, typical Blackberry Smoke, good but not great. Charlie Starr is their lead singer and their primary writer. He's just not there. He's not like Don Barnes in 38 Special. He's just not the guy who can give you that He's not Roger one Klein. great album, that one, the, the great hook, song after song after song. He just too generic in the songs he writes and he co-wrote or wrote all the songs on this album so he, i mean god if he could take those three songs the those three dookies out of the middle there three four and five and that's probably the producer that wanted them in there i'll give it two and a half two and a half frenzies Barely recommend it. Like I said, skip three, four, and five. Play, live it down, play all over the road over and over and over again because those two are the highlights and they rock. The rest of it's good outside of the Dookie three. There you go, kids. All right. That's it for music this week. We're coming back with our review of the Friends. The Friends reunion show. Yes, so this will be fun. Hold on, we'll be right back. Stuck in a no-win situation? Wife being held captive while your feet bleed? Take a second to decompress. Pull out your smartphone and listen to Sports Frenzy 2.0 on Spotify, Anchor, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Apple, Overcast, and CastBox. And don't forget to check out their Facebook page. The Maestro and the Conquistador will take your mind off your dire predicament and give you the best non-PC sports commentary you'll find anywhere. And once you compose your exit strategy and take down some German terrorists, you'll want to yell, yippee Sports Frenzy 2.0. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Sports Frenzy 2.0, the weekend edition. We're taping on the 9th of June. This will hit on the 12th. I'm the maestro, Kevin Crane. I'm the conquistador, Dave Height. We delayed it for a week, but now you get it because you know you want it. Pivot, pivot, pivot. (laughs) Two old white boys are going to tell you about how we feel about the Friends reunion special on HBO Max. (laughs) Just what you've been waiting for. (laughs) You know you want to hear what we have to say about it. Actually, you will, because I think this is going to be fun. This is a show that 
we've we watched from the beginning. Yeah, and it's kind of end. and it's kind of odd that this would be the second, because the, the first one that HBO Max did was the Fresh Prince. Yeah, which I could give one rat's ass about. But this one, with all the buildup, all the hype, deservedly so. I mean, th- this is the iconic show of the 90s. Next to Seinfeld. Next to Seinfeld. Don't you rip yes, on yeah, Seinfeld. Do not rip on Seinfeld. This was the intro of the that must-see TV Thursday A night lineup. See, now, okay. Now, must-see TV was much more. It was Cheers. It was Night Court, which you love. That was the original must-see TV. I know. I know. Oh. See, we're getting off on a tangent. You and I are going to argue and fight. Let's just but focus let's on say the reunion. The reunion. Okay. That was Friends. So what did you think? Overall, I enjoyed it. I thought the reminiscing of the cast, them being together, they didn't miss a beat. You could tell that their friendship has lasted. And they may not see each other very often, but you could see what they had developed at the time. The closeness was still there all these years later. I agree. I agree. It was better than I thought it was going to be. Yes. I thought it was really going to be super generic. Yeah, and again, I shouldn't listen to early reviews because it always seems like they're completely wrong. Yeah. Um, See, and, I and the thing that the one thing that I thought was going to botch the whole works up was James Corden, and that he was not even remotely close to being intrusive or all that involved. Right. Now I will say that that when they had that whole interview thing with him by the fountain with the fans, I could have done less with that. And more of them interacting, reminiscing on the set and going through and talking about everything. Well, yeah. When we first started talking about this a couple of weeks ago, you made a really good point. And they did address it to a, to a certain extent. I would have liked a little more detail. But you wanted to know, you said when, this, that, when we were talking about this was coming up, this HBO Max reunion. You wanted to know where the characters are now. Yes, that so was my big did. thing. They did and address it, but I still it, it was it was a very generic, sketchy, sketchy, kind of thrown together thing. It it was it, it was lame. They did not flesh it out like they could have. Yeah. Oh, Monica and Chandler are still together, and, and they had Joey and, with his sandwich shop. Yeah. Joey doesn't share food. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it, th- th- what they did do, I uh, I didn't want it to turn into a clip show, so I'm glad they didn't do that. But And they did. I was very happy with the, the shows they did. The table feature, readings? The, the, show, the table readings and the shows they did feature in the clips they did show were the best. They yes. did actually pick out they the five or six best. The, the key If they had moments. not picked out Going Commando, <laughs> I would have gone crazy. Yes. I might have broken my TV. I know that's not the name of the, the Could show. Could I be wearing any more of Chandler's clothes? And, of course, I love the little fashion show they did <laughs> <laughs> where Joey comes out. With everything. Matt LeBlanc comes out. Right now, current Matt LeBlanc. Yeah, wearing all of Chandler's clothes, reprising yeah. that. And that is still, by far, the best episode ever. The yes. one the one that I kind of wish they yeah. would have brought in that they didn't, they alluded to it, was I wanted to see the turkey on the head. Was it Monica? Was it Monica? The Thanksgiving the tur- episode. Oh, that, but they didn't mention, the turkey they mentioned the Thanksgiving episodes. As, as some uh, of their favorites yes, to have done. But I, I wanted to see Monica thrashing around <laughs> with, with the, the turkey, turkey head. head. Yeah. Yes. So, no, I overall, I was really 
pleasantly happy with how it turned out. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, I'll give it three frenzies. That's what I had it at as yeah. well. Yeah, it's it was fun. Again, it surprised me. And I always go into something like this thinking the worst, and it turned out to be much better than I expected. Yeah. Um, and some of the the guest drop-ins were fun. Some were a little Why? awkward. Yeah, some were a little awkward. Gunther yeah. Gun- from his apartment. Yeah, that was kind of a, a, a letdown. I was hoping for Gunther, but the way it was done was a letdown. Yeah, Janice showed up. Tom Selleck showed up. Um, Mr. and Mrs. Geller. Yes, Elliot Gould. Um, but that the whole get-together itself, like you were talking about in front of the fountain, it that felt a little bougie to me. It really it, felt bougie. It, it was did. like it was no <laughs> no true fan was allowed in that. That was all high rollers in Hollywood. Yes. Yeah, that was big shots, and you could tell it was all socially distant. Yeah, it, it that that was the part I did not care for. Like I right. said, they could have done less with that. The stuff I loved was them sitting on the sets and talking about everything. And going back. Yeah. Yeah. Now, okay, let me ask you this. And I hate to do this because this is almost like scuzzy paparazzi crap. (laughs) Who looked the best? Who sounded the best? Who sounded and looked the worst? Well, of course, Jennifer Aniston looked the best. See, I didn't think she looked all that good. She didn't look bad. I thought Lisa Kudrow looked the she, best. She, you know, she of the, looked, of the females. Of the females, she looked the most probably natural. Which shocked me. Which shocked me. Yeah. She, yes, exactly. She, she's the exactly. one Exactly. She did not have any work done. Yeah. You yeah. could tell that in that one. Blew me away that she, we all, I still to this day cannot believe Courtney Cox had plastic surgery. She was she didn't beautiful. Need it. She was she beautiful. Didn't she didn't it. need it. And now she looks terrible. And it has not gotten better over the years. No. But Lisa Cadrillo, you're right. She looks natural. She looks great. Looks better than ever. Yeah. Jennifer Aniston. She looks like she's had a little bit done. Maybe I'm just, you know, my standards for her are too high because she's the love of my life. And but, now she's getting older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still love the scenes where the <clears throat> temperature on the set, set was, was down. Like 40 degrees. <laughs> Headlights. <laughs> boy, yellow. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Greatest nipples in history, let me tell you. <laughs> now, among, among the guys, and again, this is what shocked me about the show, was that <clears throat> I was most impressed with Schwimmer. Yeah. Swimmer seems like he he's seems got his, to have been in decent shape, guys, held himself yeah. well. And he's been directing. He's been doing a lot of, of really good, interesting stuff Yeah, outside of acting. so yeah. See, now it, it, it's hard to do anything with Matthew because of the mouth surgery that he had the morning of. You yeah, could tell, I know. I you know. could tell that he'd been Novocaned up. And was in some semblance of pain throughout. But why? Why would you schedule the reunion? It was an emergency. So it was already scheduled. And it was something that he came up he had to have had done. Oh, boy. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not buying into that. I'm not buying into it. Not not buying into it. There's no way in hell. They're scheduling a, an event like this where they couldn't reschedule to make sure that everybody was in the best tip-top shape they could be. Sorry. You and I are going back we to don't know what, our normal sports frenzy show where I was talking about the Masters. Are you going conspiracy and frenzy? Vern Lundquist. No, I, was, oh. I said Vern Lundquist at the Masters. There was something wrong with him. Nobody believes me. Nobody wants to tell me what the hell happened. And then he shows up at the next big tournament and he's, and he's fine. 
So you could be right. I could be wrong. We'll just let it go. How about Matt LeBlanc? I don't know how to take Matt because <laughs> I love I loved Man with the Plan. Oh, love yeah. Man with the Plan. Wished CBS would have renewed it, but of course it's too expensive because they're you know current cost cutting measures. Yeah, you know, oh my God, that cast was phenomenal. In the memes he's, going out, the memes going out where he's being compared crazy to uncle. drunk Irish uncle. Yeah. No, he's not your drunk Irish uncle. He is your everyday guy. Yeah. And it's obvious he doesn't he crap. He doesn't give a crap he because is. he's letting himself go. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. No, but I'm you saying, can tell just, man with a plan, he was this is me. Yeah. What am what do I have? And to that's why I wish do. they had let that show go, is because now I don't know what he's gonna do. You know? Yeah. Now you know, he's gonna have to become the next Tim Allen, I guess, or you know, always be the blue collar guy. But yeah, he, I the only other problem I had with him, and this is gonna be really petty. This is typical maestro. Yes, yes, it is. When they first came out to sit on the couch or the chairs and everything, and they were all everybody's clapping, giving an ovation. You know, and, and everybody's, you know, trying to either clap back or bow or wave. And he was just taking it all in like, yeah, I'm the shit. I'm the man. I'm Joey. What or maybe he's just it? like, mm, no, thanks. No, I, I think he might have a little bit of an arrogant streak to him. Possibly. But this is why we're dissecting this is because these are the type of things, these little tidbits and I said last week, the media is dissecting the, the reunion so much that they're talking about racism. Well, why weren't you so diverse? Where were the black friends? Well, gee, let's see. Maybe because the three people who wrote it were friends and based it on their lives and their circle of friends. And that's what their circle of friends was. And as I recall from the reunion, one of those, if not two of them, were homosexuals. Yes. So let's not talk about the lack of diversity when the people that wrote the show, even though they were writing about heterosexuals, were homosexual. Yeah. See, and, that's that's and, what and I not, want. Not everything has to have every possible scenario group. of a person involved doesn't have to have every group every faction what i'm trying to say is i think that's great i think that's phenomenal i think that's fantastic I mean, let's face it that the, you have the cosby show was able to stand upon its own the Fresh Prince of Bel Air was able to stand Good up. times. Good times. Sanford the Jeffersons. And Son. The Jeffersons. I mean. Why do you have the, to psychoanalyze every goddamn show? And how make, about you just take things for what they are and stop trying to shoehorn everything in? It doesn't work. I mean, let's face it. I think the neighborhood with Cedric the Entertainer would be much better off without having shoehorned the white couple in it. The guy from uh, New Girl, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's trying to be diverse. It didn't need to be. You could pull that off without them. And I would have been fine with it. Yeah, and this is a discussion I had with my daughter recently, my woke daughter, and uh, did not go well because we talked about this very issue. And I said the same thing that uh, the conquistador is saying, is that sometimes you just can't shove this crap in. You can't sit there and go, okay, I like the idea for your show, 
But here's what we got to do. We've got to take this white person out and put in this group. We've got to take this white person out and put in this group. Or if you had a black person, you got to make him a gay Asian woman if it's supposed to be a black guy. You can't mess with what you, you can't you, it's do. It's not creativity. Things. That was my point was it's not creativity. Once you start telling people what to do with their story, with their ideas, then it's you're, all you're, blown out. you're not giving them the creative license they deserve to put forth the, the story, the, the show, the movie that they want to. And that's wrong. And I don't care what the PC police, BLM, Antifa, any of you think about it. You don't get the right to tell somebody how to write, what to write, where to write it, when to write it. It's wrong. And if you don't like the the racial, the sexual orientation mix that's in the cast, that's your problem. That's not the writer's problem. That's your problem. You need to fix yourself. Not the writer, not the producer, not the director, the ones that are calling for the changes in the script and the cast. Those are your problems. Yes. Thank you. You, you can have... A show with an all-gay cast. That's fine. And you can have a show with an all-black cast, an all-Asian well, cast. Yes. You don't have to try and put everybody together. But God forbid now you have an all-white cast. That's all I'm saying. God forbid. Just like we're talking about with the, the feedback on Friends. Seinfeld's gotten it in the past. Sorry, kiss my ass. It's hypocrisy. Take you can't have it they are. one way and not the other. You can't have it one way you can't have and not this the other. And that. <laughs> Seinfeld. Like that. I like that. What about the other though? She wanted the other. Oh, you, you can't it's tough to get the other in there. She wants us that and the other. Elaine. Elaine wanted the other. Yes. All right. I've got one more quick TV review for you. Because the conquistador doesn't give one rat's ass about Law and Order, but I love Law and Order. I've gum, loved gum. it, loved it for years. How do I feel about the current state of Law and Order? I do not know. I loved the original, loved Criminal Intent with Vincent D'Onofrio. That was phenomenal. As Goran, oh my God, he was awesome. And they got a little bit darker, a little bit more into the psychological aspects of the criminals they were dealing with. But in between those first, the first and the third, was the bane of the Law and Order franchise, Special Victims Unit. The one that goes on. Nuns get raped, children get abused, the darkest, nastiest stuff. Yet people keep watching it. Mariska Hargitay has won Emmy upon Emmy for her role as Olivia Benson. Now we get, and there have been others, I know. There's been Law & Order UK. Law now, of course, we've talked about the fact that now we're going to have Thursdays this fall, the Law & Order Thursday. Yes, like Chicago Wednesday. Right. I will stick up, however, for the latest installment in the Law & Order franchise, Law & Order Organized Crime, which ended its eight-episode first season here this past week. It's not the typical Law & Order scenario. It's not a week-to-week, -week, one case, one case, one case. This is an ongoing storyline bringing back Elliot Stabler from SVU, who is now working with the Organized Crime Unit in New York. Christopher Maloney does a great job. I, he's an awesome actor. I love him. Um, now they've kind of pitted him one-on-one -on -one with Dylan McDermott, who plays Richard Wheatley, one of the biggest organized crime bosses in New York. <laughs> who's, among other things, trying to pilfer COVID-19 vaccine and sell it to other countries. Say it ain't so. It is so. So there is a lot of PC stuff in this. And 
luckily I can look through most of it. Some of it kind of grates on me, but at the end of the eight episodes here in the first season, they did bring it all together. So it kind of makes sense. Yes, there are lesbians. Less there, yeah, there's accusations of police brutality against black people. Of course, blah, 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 blah. Because we all know law and order is ripped from the headlines. So, yeah, so you got that. But again, like I said, at least they kind of try to tie it in for the most part so it works in the storyline. And they gave you the obligatory cliffhanger at the end of the first season. That being said, not bad. I'll probably end up trying to watch the second season when it comes back on. So I'll give it two and a half frenzies. There you go. All right. All right. Time to move on to our moment of silence, kids, and get ready to go retro because we're going back to the 70s. We're going back to the Mod Squad. Unfortunately, we have to mourn the passing of Link, Clarence Williams III. And if you have not watched the Mod Squad, this is a up. retro show. Yeah, dig it up where you can. It's one of those great '70s crime dramas. Pretty badass. Not, it is not the best ever, but it's pretty badass. It is. It's it, it's one of those. Would you say early inclusive shows? Yeah. Yeah. Do not watch the movie. No, 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 Claire Danes, Giovanni Ribisi, no, 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 no. That is considered one of the biggest bombs of all time. Never should have been made. Right. But the original TV show, Link is a badass. Yes, yes, he is. So. All right. Dave's got no dumbass this week. Who do you have for us? Me. Me, number one. Because I had a brain fart last week. I could not remember when we were reviewing Man on a Ledge who Genesis Rodriguez reminded me of. And all I could come up with, uh, the, the da, Fast da, and da, Furious, da, da, blah, da, blah, da, blah. Da, da, da. Jordana Brewster. Genesis Rodriguez <sighs> is a chestier Jordana Brewster. So I apologize for not having that right away ready for you. Two beautiful brunettes, one little bit bigger boobs. Yeah, Brewster's cute. Yep, but they look very similar from the neck up and maybe the thighs down. Middle section, Genesis. I'd like to have that invisible touch. Let me tell you that. (laughs) Oh, God. And all right, one more. I got one more. Going back to what you were talking about with touring. I'm going to bring this all full circle as we wrap up the weekend edition. Is it the circle? I love the pack. Will the circle be unbroken? I love the passion you had with the touring rant about secondary markets and the whole just bullshit involved in trying to get to see And now, like you said, the fact that Oh, now everybody's going to be ramping up because now after one year without tours, everybody's going to be... I got to go, I got to go, I got to go. Okay. We love The Who, right? Yes. We saw The Who a couple years ago. Great show. But remember way back in the day, farewell tour. Farewell tour. Farewell tour. How many farewell, farewell tours tour. do people have? And at some point, you just go, okay, we're, we're calling bullshit on Daltrey and Townsend. Right. Bullshit. No farewell tour anymore. You can't do that you can't anymore. can't do it. Well, I'm calling bullshit on Leonard Skinner. Oh. Leonard Skinner came out, and now they're saying, well, after COVID, we real, and I'm paraphrasing, we realize that the people might need our music and might need us. Oh, so, so the farewell tour. So they changed saw. the name of the farewell tour. Yeah, it is no longer a farewell tour. So I have a T-shirt that says they were on their farewell tour. Now it looks like they're going to be on the road till twenty thirty. Uh, oh, kind of like Kiss is doing with their current farewell tour that got 
Just postponed because of COVID. Stop it! Don't stop say it. Never say tour. Never say never. How how did that blood contract for Motley Crue go? Because they were getting ready to come back out on the road. Well, as you mentioned last week, that's not going to happen. We don't know Vince Neil. Although Phil Collin of Def Leppard claims that that's not an issue. He'll be fine for next year. He'll be fine. Yeah, be they fine. can hope. Yeah. So no more farewell tours ever. No more whiskey. Ever. No more whiskey. No more smokes. No more chicks, no more tokes. And on that note, kids, I am the maestro. I'm the conquistador. Wrapping up the weekend edition, please check us out. Spotify, Facebook, Anchor, Google, rate us. Do anything you can to promote us because, you know, we deserve it. We do. It's not the farewell tour, but. Not even close. (laughs) Yeah, you're stuck with us for a while. Thanks for hanging out. We'll talk to you next week.